Welcome to Working Gratitude, real people, real gratitude at work, with your host, Darren Hollingsworth, Chief Gratitude and Accountability Officer at Odonata Coaching and Consulting. The Working Gratitude podcast was launched in 2012 to stimulate dialogue and conversation about research-based best practices of gratitude in the workplace and ways that gratefulness is expressed via philanthropy. These brief interviews with successful leaders from a variety of professional environments will encourage and inspire you and give you ideas about how you can start working gratitude. Thank you for listening to Working Gratitude. Now here's your host, Darren Hollingsworth. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I am excited to share with you that today is the first of a two-part conversation with Dr. Paul White. I got acquainted with Dr. White's work 10 or 11 years ago, starting with devouring his book, The Five Languages of Appreciation at Work. More recently, I've used his books, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, and his newest book, The Vibrant Workplace, in leading a conversation with nonprofit professionals about organizational toxicity. These three books have significantly influenced my work with individual clients and organizations. Uh, in today's conversation, we will go through our typical working gratitude uh, questions. In the second part next week, we will do a deeper dive with Dr. White into the latest book, The Vibrant Workplace, in the context of the other two books. Now, to further introduce Dr. White, he's a psychologist, speaker, and leadership trainer who makes work relationships work. As I mentioned, he's the co-author of the best-selling book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, along with Dr. Gary Chapman, who wrote The Five Love Languages. For the past 20 years, he's improved numerous businesses, nonprofit organizations, schools, and medical facilities by helping them, one, decrease cynicism and negative communication among employees, create positive workplace relationships and environments, reduce the frustration level of managers and supervisors, raise the level of job satisfaction for both employees and volunteers, increase employee engagement, attendance, and productivity. His clients have included Microsoft, NASA, L'Oreal, MGM Resorts, the Salvation Army, numerous hospitals, schools, government agencies, and over 700 colleges and universities. The Vibrant Workplace Overcoming the Obstacles to Building a Culture of Appreciation is his most recent book, and I am thrilled to have Dr. Paul White join us today for Working Gratitude. Dr. White, thank you so much. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. Well, I've given a, a background of my uh, acquaintance with you, but before we launch into Working Gratitude today, would you give our listeners a little bit of your perspective of your research and your work and uh, your your work through your, your firm appreciation at work. Could you give us a little bit more insight to that? Sure. So uh, I'm a psychologist by training, and for a good 20 years or so, uh, a large part of my work was actually evaluating students who have learning difficulties, so ADHD and dyslexia and that kind of thing. But I grew up in the context of a family-owned business, and there was a point in time where some friends of mine that were uh, business consultants kept running into family issues because 85 to 90% of all the companies in the U.S. are family-owned, even the really big ones. And uh, they you know, were struggling with the family stuff that would intertwine and interfere with business issues. So I started consulting uh, initially just around relational issues between you know father and son, two brothers, you know, sister and a brother. And then moved into business succession planning fairly quickly, which is how to help you know, talk through and think through who's going to own this in the future, who's going to run it, and how, do you, uh, uh, how are you fair to the rest of the family. Uh, 
And it was actually in the midst of that that uh, sort of saw the potential for the five like five love languages to apply. Uh, I was dealing with a business leader who uh, was in North Carolina. He was um, transferring the business to his son. I asked him, you know, how things are going. He said, it's going well. My son's stepping up. I think it's going to work. I walk across the hall and ask the son the same question. He said, this is a disaster. It's never going to work, and I can't ever please my dad. And um, that time, my wife and I were reading Five Love Languages by Dr. Chapman and thought, you know, this might apply. And so I actually pursued Dr. Chapman for a year, and we agreed to work uh, together and actually developed the online assessment that became the Motivating by Appreciation Inventory that we've had over 200,000 people take uh, worldwide and then developed some training materials and then uh, wrote the book together and, and then it sort of went from there. So did that, build on that as well as uh, finding out about negative workplaces and so uh, did some research and wrote about toxic workplaces and how, how to survive those. Well, as I gathered from all three books, the the work serves each other very well, and, and it's they're woven together beautifully. And I really encourage our listeners to take a look at all three books because um, – and I'm looking forward to our conversation next week about – to dive into uh, the Vibrant Workplace more because I think you've got some great uh, definitions and some great insights about – uh, this aspect of appreciation versus recognition and, and so forth. Well, you you um, have joined me for a conversation that I love having with professionals from different backgrounds about what they are grateful for in their work lives and what challenges they faced. And so let's let's go there. Can we work some gratitude today? Sure, absolutely. G- great. So what are you grateful for in your work today as a writer, uh, psychologist, uh, speaker, what what it's coming up for you as something you're grateful for today? Well, I really have been and continue to be and even grow in, in my gratefulness for my team. Uh, you know, I initially for a number of years just had a uh, an office administrator for my practice, but over time as uh, our work has grown, I have now uh, five team members uh, plus a couple of other part-timers that really help support the work and help get things done that I can't get done, and, and they have uh, knowledge and skill bases that I don't have, and also personality and temperaments that uh, are needed in the different roles. And so uh, it, it's just uh, fun as well as challenging, but fun working together with a team to accomplish more than what you could do on your own. And uh, I got great uh, quality people, and, and so I'm really thankful for that. That is a wonderful theme that we hear people it seems like connection to team and a team environment no one is a an island in even in even in an entrepreneurial spirit i know it must have taken some kind of guts and chutzpah to approach dr chapman with the popularity of the five love languages but then to also realize that you needed some help uh, with things uh, is is telling to your own sense of you know, professional development that you can call in help when you need it. And uh, it's great that you've surrounded yourself uh, with a wonderful team and your team who helped us connect. I'm really grateful for them. So I hope they hear this and know that. And you've alluded to the facing challenges in the workplace uh, with building a business that's different than the way you started out. I was just as you spoke, I was fascinated to hear about your earlier career with uh, people with developmental 
type disabilities or otherwise, and and then to bring this to such a wider audience. What challenges can you call to your mind that you've faced that you may not have been able to be grateful for or appreciate at the time that you were going through them, but on the on the other side of it, you can look at them with a lens of gratitude. Well, one of them, you know, I'm still sort of going into, and that is, uh, or going through, really, is uh, the transition professionally from being a solo practitioner with an assistant to a small business owner and leader with a team. And I really feel like in the last probably three to four years, especially, I've had to grow a lot, um, moving into new areas of expertise and leadership and sort of uh, in sort of an ironic way, having to learn how to apply the principles that I'm teaching. I often tease that psychologists are sometimes people that uh, can teach principles that they haven't yet uh, implemented in their own lives. And so uh, I think it's a bit of irony there. Uh, so it's the issue of, you know, being able to understand the bigger picture and also be able to grow in delegating and um, letting go to not be uh, totally involved in all the details and the little decisions. And because I, you know, I, you know, sort of did everything uh, initially for quite a while. And uh, now there's parts of what we do um, with online pieces and all that, that I, uh, you know, if uh, I had to, I, I would not know what to do to, to fix it. So that's, uh, th- it's been a growth and the challenge of accepting the reality of that and sort of the frustration of all the different pieces that come up, but um, becoming grateful that as we grow as a team and as I try to move into appropriate leadership, uh, we're able to serve more people that way. I love your point because as a coach, uh, I am not on that clinical in the clinical kind of environment, obviously, but I have said that you know professional athletes frequently have coaches that don't excel like the athlete does, and and then when you're faced with needing to apply principles that you are able to teach, uh, there's a an interesting circle there. So I can feel your your challenge in that way, and having a team around you, I, I can see how that would help and. Uh, help to validate exactly what you're you're helping others find. What I love is the model that you've created that does equip other professionals to take this work to the marketplace through appreciation at work. And uh, I encourage our listeners to take a look at that and at your website. That is that appreciationatwork.com. Am I correct on that, Doctor? Yeah, that's correct. And it's the it's the word at uh, within that. So it's appreciation at work, and it's the word, not the at song. Got it. Uh, appreciationatwork.com. Yep. Good. I have looked at that extensively, obviously, particularly more recently, and I think that um, that's going to serve. Uh, the the professional community. The other thing that I think is interesting is the way that you have overlaid your work both in the the for profit sector and in the nonprofit sector. I my career has been focused in fundraising and nonprofit executive leadership, and that's the the clients that I tend to work with most are boards of directors and uh, executive staff, fundraising professionals, and you apply these principles in those environments as well. So I think that there are lots of ways to um, 
apply this work that that might not have immediately been visible to people if if they haven't really taken a look at it because frequently nonprofit organizations don't have an HR professional who's looking at right development or culture right they're 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 working on program they're just trying to accomplish the mission exactly and so that and uh, pre-mission and actually I mean I grew up professionally in the not-for-profit and social service world and some government agencies and so forth and uh, man those are the ones that need uh, help with appreciation uh, and in an authentic way because uh, you know they don't have a lot of money there's not a lot of prestige it's very demanding and so you can just and, and, and the mission calls you to keep giving and giving and so burnout is is sort of a norm rather than the exception and uh, unfortunately when I did research for the uh, rising above a toxic workplace it, w- it was really nonprofits and and ministries that really had sort of the worst stories uh, about uh, how people felt and how they were treated which was you know, quite sad uh, to me but we we are we've helped you know uh, hundreds if not thousands of public schools and churches and ministries and not-for-profit organizations from the Girl Scouts to almost anything you can think of. And, uh, and, and that part of our development was to keep resources uh, low cost because, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of money, but uh, it really um, is a, a huge payback for keeping your staff and keeping them encouraged and, and engaged. You've made the work very approachable in, in the books and even in Vibrant, uh, the reflection questions I find are just incredibly helpful. And as I said, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I love the way it's set up that the, the rising above a toxic workplace is a lot for that individual contributor. And then the Vibrant, if I'm, if I'm interpreting the work correctly, Vibrant lets leaders look at what they can do to make more of an impact in those organizations. I call what you call burnout and I've called it the same thing as a professional fundraiser for a number of years, mission fatigue and mission guilt are very real because when you're working for pick a, pick a nonprofit children with cancer or universities and students who are faced with rising tuition costs, you just, those of us who go into the work are committed to it. And then uh, the sometimes leaders and peers don't always have the abil- ability to help give us that extra juice through appreciation. So what you're bringing to us is is wonderful, and and I can't wait to talk with you a little bit more about about uh, the books a little bit later. Well, as I talk with professionals from a variety of disciplines about how what they're grateful for and how that gratitude is expressed, I always talk about. Uh, the way that that comes to their sense of involvement or engagement in their community and the impact. You've already expressed one way that that you're making an impact in the community and in the nonprofit sector by making this work so approachable. Is there another way that you and your team express gratitude uh, in uh, express gratitude and appreciation you know, through nonprofit involvement more directly? Yeah, I mean, uh, a variety of ways. Um, one way is we set aside 10% of our profits every month and decide as a team either together or sort of divvy up uh, and let people share with their favorite uh, charity or ministry. And so then we learn from each other about 
the organization that uh, they've wanted to give to. Recently, we did a collaborative effort with World Vision, uh, the relief organization, and, and um, offered our book and some other resources to uh, corporate leaders uh, that if they you know, gave a donation that we'd send them that and I autographed it and that kind of thing. And so I think they were able to raise $30,000 uh, from that. So we're thankful for that. At a more personal level, you know, uh, I'm at the stage in life, I'm in my early 60s, and uh, I'm at a stage where younger people, both uh, men and women, will come and ask me for input. And so there's some individuals uh, that I meet with regularly that are leaders of uh, nonprofits um, and or serve in those um, that just sort of a a mentoring, uh, coaching kind of relationship to to invest in them and and help them grow and give them a little perspective, uh, giving them a little further down the road. And because when you're in the midst of it, you're not sure if the jungle ends or not or or where. And so, uh, and that's you know rewarding to me as well. So, as a uh, teacher, educator, that. person, I think I I hear that in your voice, and and your willingness to do that must serve those people and those individuals incredibly well. Thank you for taking the time to answer my three working gratitude questions, and I'm looking forward to talking with you next week about our uh, mutual interest and my mutual my interest in all of your work, but most particularly your newest book, The Vibrant Workplace. So to our listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation with Dr. Paul White and that you'll catch up with us again next week as we look to move from shift from toxic to vibrant via appreciation. Thank you for joining us on Working Gratitude. Darren Hollingsworth has had a thriving career as a financial advisor, sales professional, senior fundraising professional, and nonprofit executive. Now, via business, success, and philanthropy coaching, Darren is passionate about helping successful executives realize and exceed their personal and professional potential. He helps business and nonprofit leaders find and confirm their passion, their inspiration, and motivation. This is accomplished through collaborative work based on gratitude, experience, encouragement, and accountability. As Darren says, surviving is not enough. Thriving is the goal. Additionally, Darren works with businesses, nonprofit organizations, and boards of directors to create new possibilities for transformational customer and donor relationships, organizational strategic visioning and governance, as well as continuity and succession planning. Via collaboration and consulting, Darren engages with clients to empower them to build upon strengths and face challenges with confidence and expertise. To hear more Working Gratitude and for information about Darren Hollingsworth and Odonata Coaching and Consulting, visit our website, odonatacoaching.com, or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash odonatacoaching, or search wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Working Gratitude. Working Gratitude, copyright Darren Hollingsworth and Odonata Coaching and Consulting, all rights reserved.